So Paul and Elvis, you wake up the next night and as soon as you rise from your lavish beds, two maids walk in carrying two unconscious, beautiful women. The women are sort of held up on silver platter trays, but they don't really fit on them, so it's more like they're just being carried. The women are decorated in tasteful garlands and roses, and as vampires, you have to admit, it looks pretty appetizing. Good morning, sirs. We present your breakfast. Live virgins imported directly from France. They are free-range and fed a steady diet of healthy foods for maximal blood flow. Hello. I'm not used to people-fied versions of our food. I guess, uh, I just let Paul usually get it indirectly. Well, we can't turn it down, Elvis. That'd make us rude guests. Especially after the chef spent so much time preparing the dish. Yeah, I know, Paul. But... See, aren't we supposed to suppress our animal side? Elvis, when's the last time we indulged our animal instincts? Besides, they're free-range victims. That means they're allowed to wander around and, and get exercise and chase, I, I don't know, butterflies or something. Indeed, sir. These women are foreign interns at our master's company. Please don't drink too deeply or else it will be difficult to release them back into the wild. All right, all right. I guess this is what we traded our souls for. This right here. This is what it's all about. Still, though, I feel really uncomfortable touching an unconscious woman on the neck and stuff. Do you think I could get a straw? And maybe a napkin? Of course, sir. She pulls out a metal straw with a sharp bit on the end, and she hands you a blood-red cloth napkin. Thank you. I guess I wait for Paul to do his thing, then succumb to peer pressure. How does one normally indulge in an imported meal? I mean, I feel like just biting directly into the neck would be vulgar. Some vampires are of that opinion, sir. If you prefer, we can extract the blood to a glass or a container of your choosing. The copper mug has been something of a local favorite these days because the metallic undertones pair well with the iron of the blood. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's classy, but still rugged. I'll totally take a copper mug. The maid stamps her heel sharply against the marble floor. The door opens. Another maid rushes in with a copper mug, sets it in your hands, then bows and sees herself out. One of the maids produces a sort of black obsidian knife, and with a dreamlike grace carefully drains a decent amount of breakfast into the cup before she stops the bleeding with a silver-lined cloth. I guess I awkwardly poke a straw into this other lady and then suck her blood out like a little kid. An evil little kid. You know, Elvis, I routinely bash the luxuries of the elites, but I have to admit I've never partaken in any of them. I'm not saying I condone any of this, but there does exist the possibility that we should further research the ridiculous lavishments enjoyed by those in power. So we know to be more angry about it. Next time I gotta ask for a silly straw. This is good blood. It's really good. I just, I don't know what to do with myself, and a silly straw would just lighten up the whole mood. When you're finished with your meal, the servant says, The master is waiting for you at the door. It's best to depart immediately. He's very punctual about business, and his time is valuable. Then I guess we head down. You meet with Dracula Andrew, who's wearing his outdoors cape. Gentlemen, I trust you had a good breakfast. It is the most important meal of the day. Ha, ha, ha. A little joke, because we only work at night. Shall we? And you guys all get comfortable in a glorious limousine, which conspicuously drives you to the bad part of town, where you all disembark, go down a manhole, and show Draculandrew your place. But that'll be in a little bit. Lowry, in the meanwhile, what did you do after you hung up on Paul? I guess I angrily drove home, stayed up fuming and muttering to myself about loyalty until the sun came out, then passed out violently on the couch from supernatural tiredness. Right. Perfect. And you completely forgot that you stole something important from someone and that you told them who you were when you did that. Yes. Where is the hard drive that you stole? Probably in Frank's glove compartment, because I was going to give it to Pecuniaman that same night. Alright, well vampires are incredibly heavy sleepers, so when you awake the next night, you find that your entire room's been tossed. 
Someone broke in during the day and ransacked absolutely everything. The door was kicked, so the locks are all busted. Your computer's been stolen. Clothes are laying everywhere. Frank's guest bed was flipped over with him in it, and he slept through the whole commotion. The cupboards are all open. Your fridge has been open probably all day, so most of the blood's gone bad. There's silverware on the floor, not that you ever used it. Oh, wow. Well, I guess I'm lucky that nobody called the cops. It's a penthouse, right? So nobody else lives up here. It's just you, which is both lucky and evidently a problem. Well, great. Paul and Elvis get treated to lavishments, but here I am, waking up to my lair being wrecked. And it's not even my fault. This is all Paul's fault. If he hadn't dropped my name, no one would know that I was involved. Frank says, Lowry, I thought you gave your name and explicitly threatened to attack Ratman over the phone. That was after Paul already screwed up, so it still all traces back to Paul. You know, I thought it was funny that you gave your name and business, but didn't booby-trap the place or anything, because you would expect them to come after that. But, obviously, they'd know that I'm expecting them. So they wouldn't come because they'd know that I would booby-trap the place. Yet, obviously, they did come anyway. Of course, but we're dealing with another private equity firm. We all deal in layers upon layers of inscrutability. They must have known that I'd expect them to know that I'd booby-trap the place, and, realizing that I was expecting them to think that I'd laid booby-traps, they acted in the comfort of knowing that I hadn't. They were one level above me, Frank. I've made the mistake of underestimating Ratman. He is a peer, after all. I should have expected better from the man who stole the beans and Tupperware account. Yeah, that all makes perfect sense. But now he'd expect that I know that he knows things, which means that he expects me to be one level above him. So to trick him, I need to be two levels above and continue behaving as though I haven't been attacked at all. He won't expect that. Okay. So we're doing nothing. This is what I love most about being a vampire who works in private equity, Frank. The endless mind games which are only suited to supernatural genius. Yeah, it's pretty great. Mason, do I still have my phone? You turn over a couple of things, but no, your phone is gone. Frank, did they steal your phone? Frank goes into his room, checks around for a little bit, then comes back empty-handed. Dang it. Did they take your car keys? Frank looks around, can't find his keys. Did they take my keys? You can't find your keys either. Oh no. Frank, they probably tossed our cars. We need to go. You head out to the parking garage and you have to curse these modern remote systems that help you find your car. Because sure enough, the doors are unlocked, both cars have been searched, and the glove compartment is missing the hard drive. Dang it! Kick Frank's car out of anger. This is such crap. A vampire's enemy shouldn't operate during the day. It's against the rules. His enemy should be vampires. Alright, we need to get in touch with Paul and Elvis. We need as much or as little muscle as we can muster. We're going back to Ratman's place. So we're going to take the bus? Did they leave your wallet? Mason, did they take my wallet? Yes, they took your wallet. Kick Frank's car again. It's fine. We're vampires. We don't need wallets. We have evil powers. I will sway the will of the bus driver. Paul and Elvis, you guys have led one of the most powerful vampires that you're ever likely to meet underground into your sewer lair. He brought friends, of course, and you're outnumbered about three to one by some rather stern-looking men who've made the mistake of wearing suits down here. See, the trick is, you bring a spare pair of pants and then keep your good clothes in a plastic bag. When you arrive at your home, it looks like the place has probably been searched, but it's a lot harder to tell in the disorganized mess. Of course, the intrusion becomes evident when one of the big guide guards from Ratman's business rounds the corner and freezes. Oh my god! An assassin! Dracula Andrew holds out his hand and the guy is sucked into his grasp with a magnetic power. The guard's arms and legs lurch forward with a sudden stop and his neck lands in Drac's palm. 
You hear a snap and the guard goes limp. An assassin? A rather inexpert one, if so. But he does have a peculiar, inhuman look to him. Dracula Andrew turns his body around and examines the body. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but wait, I think I recognize that guy. He works for a private equity dude named Cheesley Ratman. Private equity. Ah, but then it does all make sense. I have many enemies in private equity. Likely some fool thought he'd make a name for himself. The underlings must sometimes be reminded of their place. Yeah, yeah, I got the address if you want it. Where do you know this Ratman from? I know another guy in private equity. Ratman's an enemy of his. He's not a vampire, though. He's like a werewolf or something. Hmm. A werewolf or something. Well, I shall loan you someone to look further into it. For now, I believe it is time for our show, yes? Yes, sir. You can hang the body on the coat rack if you want. We got our system set up over here. Dracula Andrew politely hangs the body on the coat rack, then sits down next to you. He gets a fancy new VR helmet on and starts browsing through the selection of avatars. Which one should I use? He asks. My favorite is the sexy Velociraptor. This? This one? Is it sexy? Yeah, that's a really sexy Velociraptor. How can you tell? It's got thick eyelashes. So is that sexy to other Velociraptors? A lot of our viewers just fill in the blanks with their imagination, so it'll be sexy to them, yeah. Okay, and the idea is to be sexy and not like someone that you would hire from a job interview. The whole point is to obfuscate reality and be totally inscrutable, sir. That way, no matter what you say, you can always play it off as a joke or skate by on the defense that you're not really trying and everyone else is a tryhard for taking you seriously. So, we are stupid on purpose. Uh, try to keep it about, like, 30% stupid on purpose. It's good if you're earnestly just kind of dumb. Like, 30% dumb all the time. Alright, so, we're gonna go live in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hello, Internet! We are some kind of show with a difficult-to-remember name, and this show is 100% about you. Today, we're gonna play video games, and we're currently having an angry drama with our competitor, Fox and Soxer, I don't like these ticks and toxer. We find his content to be tedious. It's so tedious. I've heard he doesn't like horses. We've got the lowdown, but first, joining us is his sexy velociraptor, Dracula Andrew, the most powerful vampire in the city. I, I... Powerful, vampiric, sexy velociraptor. Everything may or may not be true, and it is entirely up to you to decide what is real. We're not peddling misinformation. You are. And I guess from here on, we just do the show. Did I yell at the congressman again, threaten to have Dracula Andrew beat him up. The congressman actually knows who Dracula Andrew is and logs off when you suggest that that should happen. Otherwise, it's basically your typical online show. It draws in millions of views. Ten years from now, no one's going to be able to say why. Dracula Andrew kind of loosens up midway through and begins to have fun with it. He gets into the swing of throwing out real facts along with blatantly fake ones, and pretty soon you guys don't know what's real anymore either, because he knows so many things that you don't. At one point, he says the devil himself is physically on Earth controlling a lot of the world, and Drac seems dead serious about it, but you don't know how to slow down to ask him if that is serious. Oh, you did really good, sir. That was some good avatar use for your first time. I am Lord of Vampires. I know my way around social behavior. But I see the appeal and the power of this concept. I am getting on it late, but with the right funding and a whole network to create and feed its own drama. I believe I could start to take over the entire social perspective of the internet. Not a soul would know fact from fiction. And only I would preside over the chaos! Exactly the sentiments spoken by powerful dictators like Stalin and Mark Zuckerberg, sir. With a big picture mentality, the online world is your confused oyster. There is much work to do. I shall take my leave now. 
I can leave you with my man, Finger Splitter, to help you with your Ratman problem. Is there anything else I can do for you as a show of thanks for introducing me to this new power? Well, sir, I like to collect things. A glass of wine to commemorate the occasion would be nice. I think a Columbia Valley Cabernet would be great from the shelf. 2006 is supposed to be a good year. Rather specific. It would impress a friend of mine. I don't know if you have that, but I trust a guy like you keeps a well-stocked vintage cellar. Of course. It's a common gift among the well-to-do mortals. I'll have my people see what's available. Now, I won't keep you waiting, gentlemen. And Dracula Andrew sweeps out of the room, leaving behind a somewhat chiseled-looking vampire in a suit. Finger Splitter has a scar down his face and a really narrow look in his eye. Finger Splitter, how are you, my man? Eager to find out my lord's time isn't being wasted. Let's go find out what we all have to do with it, can we? Sure, let me just call up one of my buddies. I think we got a beat on this. Lowry, it's around now that you arrived just outside the sewers where Paul and Elvis live. Put on a pair of plastic baggies to protect my nice shoes. You brought your own baggies, right, Frank? Uh, no, I didn't. Well, you can probably use some potato chip bags or something from the gas station over there. I'm going ahead. Should we split up? What if Ratman's waiting for us down there in the sewers? What if they are? Obviously, they didn't want to kill us, or otherwise we'd have woken up with stakes through our hearts. Do you think they know that doesn't really work? It still would have been profoundly inconvenient. The point is, they didn't do it. I'll see you in 10 or 15. Mason, I go ahead. You wind your way through the sewers until you find Paul and Elvis's lair. Paul is on the phone while some scary-looking Scarface dude is looming over him. Paul, get off the phone. We have important business to do. And good evening to you, Mr. Scarface. Oh, Larry. Well, I was just calling you. I've told you a thousand times, don't call me unless it's important. I call you. Yeah, well, I motioned to the body on the coat rack. We had a visitor, and I was curious if you did too. Yes? But unlike you, they actually stole some things from me. My wallet, my phone, and my house keys for one. What do you suppose they're going to do with all our stuff? So right, says Splitter. You've been stolen from by these guys before. Yeah, when I said assassin, I didn't mean for your boss. I meant they were here to assassinate me. Maybe Elvis. So what? You think maybe they're just crazed fans? They shouldn't be. The whole point of our show is that everything's fake. They've got no idea what we look like or how we live. Either way, doesn't seem like Draculandrew's problem. Probably not, but I trust if you go home on just our word for it, Draculandrew's not going to be satisfied. I expect you're right. So how about we get to the root of it? We can go to Ratman's office, rough up his guys, take his stuff, find out what his aim is, and then you can give a thorough account to the boss, and hopefully some charming details about the whole incident. How now? Don't go thinking we're all chummy. There's a possibility that you were dumb enough to hire a third party and try in something. So I'm not going to rough this Ratman guy up. I'm going to kill him. Then we're going to find out how you're connected to him, what he knows about vampires, why he knows about vampires, and if you're responsible for that in any way. Just doing my due diligence. That's fine. So long as it doesn't come back to us, Ratman disappearing somewhere is probably better for us. In fact, we're lucky he didn't involve the police. I suppose he could have. I don't know. It'd be kind of suspicious he knows that we live in the sewers and where, but never reported us before. Like, why does he know that? And besides, we just relocate. We get found sometimes. Well, it's a pain for those of us who can't just be invisible. Can't you just talk your way out of jail? Yes, but sometimes the police come by during the day, and what am I supposed to do then? Look, we're all well aware of how inconvenient our night lives are, and how our amazing powers offset that weakness, except for some very frustrating times when they don't work. Could we all just please move along and go see this Ratman guy? Yeah, sure. Just let me make sure he's in. Paul, give me your phone. And Larry the phone. But aren't office hours closed at night? There's still a receptionist. Mason, I call the office. Hello, Cheesley Ratman and Associates. 
Hi, this is Larry and Larry Services calling to demand my wallet, you kleptomaniac freak. Oh, hold on, sir. I was told if you called to patch you through. There's a tone, and then another line picks up. Hello, this is Cheesley Ratman. Is this Lowry? Ratman, you thieving rodent. Give me back my stuff. Or what, Lowry? You're going to call the police? Tell them we stole your stuff back while you were in a vampiric slumber? You stole my car keys, Ratman. And the beans and Tupperware account. And also, I guess, a VR helmet or something? I don't really care about that, though. Well, tell you what, Lowry. Why don't you come down to my office and we'll smooth things over, okay? I got a feeling that neither of us want too much of our operations out in the daylight. And a prolonged war is not profitable to either of us, is it? All right, fine. I'll be there in a half hour. I hang up. Ha! Joke's on him. I don't care if it is profitable. I'm going to take him down with me out of spite if I have to. Never cross Lowry. They're going to write that on my gravestone. So we all take in your car? No, my keys were stolen. Does Scarface have a car? I didn't bring mine. Sounds like public transportation for us, then. It's the humiliation. The degradation. This is why I have to kill Ratman. Only blood can wash away these sins. So I take it you all ride the bus down to Ratman's. I stop to get a cherry slurpee and throw it up in the trash can next to the bus stop, but yeah. You might worry about alienating Splitter, but he's almost definitely seen worse vampire neurosis than this in all his years. Yours are a powerful, insane people. Anyway, you arrive at the strip mall where Ratman is located in about 45 minutes. Is this it? Splitter asks. Doesn't look like much. Obviously, you're not familiar with shell companies and tax evasion. Ratman is just the toenail of a much larger beast. You'll see. I lead the way inside. The receptionist goes, Oh, I recognize you now. You know, you really had me worried the cleaning guy was dead. Sorry. The whole thing was an elaborate lie, but we didn't want to see you again, so it seemed okay at the time. Well, Mr. Ratman's ready to see you now. Barge through the door. Just like before, the lights aren't on, but it appears that you can all see each other perfectly well. Ratman is sitting at his desk. He's got the computer hard drive out in front of him. On either side of him are two strong, fat-looking guards. They're built like grizzly bears. Stocky, slouching, huge beards making them look really hairy. Lowry, my honored guest, come on, sit down. Grab the chair and toss it violently against the wall. With your vampire strength, the chair embeds itself deep into the drywall. I was gonna sit down, and then you told me what to do. Anything you have to offer is tainted. You broke into my home, Ratman. Corporate espionage is one thing, but I draw the line at leaving the fridge open and letting all the food go bad. You always say you won't eat that old stuff. Shut up, Paul. Frank eats it. All right, I know we've had a series of misunderstandings. You really wanted the beans and Tupperware account. I really wanted that VR headset. I didn't realize you were connected or else I wouldn't have robbed you twice in one day. Though in fairness to me, the beans and Tupperware account was totally square. It was also round-shaped. If you'd really done the research, you'd realize that Tupperware comes in a variety of shapes. Well, how can I make this right, Lowry? Now, you took this hard drive. And then I got it back. And now I have your wallet and your car keys. You can replace all that stuff at some point. However, I also happen to know that your half of the room is all vampires. No. No, we're not. Splitter says, how'd you find that out? And Ratman replies, Lowry's not the only one who's got spies. These two, Paul and Lowry, they are hard to track down, but the pieces started to click together when I realized that they weren't human. Of course, all it took was seeing them in the flesh for the first time for that to set in. Yeah, and what are you, Ratman? Most people can't see us unless we want to be seen. Just a good old-fashioned mammal, like most people. And probably of a more social variety than all of you. So at any rate, I've been looking into what types of people care about vampires, and here's what I propose to make this all go away. I give Lowry his wallet and his car keys. 
I'll buy you a new VR headset, and I can cut you in for a consulting fee on the Beans and Tupperware account. After all that, I won't call anybody special to check you guys out. Unacceptable. You think you can just drop a two-ton mystery on our lap like this and have us walk away not knowing who pulls the strings? I can't do it! Before anyone can realize what happened, Splitter reaches underneath his shirt, pulls out what appears to be a bayonet, and then flings it into the forehead of one of the big men. The guy, now with the bayonet sticking out at an angle through his head, stumbles back a few steps, falls on his butt, then reaches up and grabs the handle. Well, what is this? Funny, that usually kills him. Elvis, desk flip on number two! Help, I leaped to the other side of the desk. Oh god, grab the hard drive. We toss the desk at the other guard. Wham! The desk breaks into several pieces and the man stumbles backwards, but he's so big and heavy he actually handles it surprisingly well. Now hold on a second. He lunges forward and grabs at Elvis, who's nimble enough to leap out of the way. Jump down and grab the guy's feet. Alright, you get his feet. Tackle high! Splinter steps towards the guy with the knife in his head. I'm gonna need that back. No. No, no, no! The guy gets up and starts trying to run from Splitter, and Splitter gives chase. Elvis, you tackle the bear the rest of the way over. Paul, the bear whose legs you're holding, effortlessly kicks out of your grasp, then wraps his legs around you, giving it a tremendous squeeze. Uh, okay, Elvis, help! Jab my thumbs in the guy's eyes. He howls in pain as you dig your thumbs into his eye sockets. Lowry, what are you doing? Slap Ratman. Ow! Hey! He gets up and he slaps you back. All right, what is it with you? You can't just do whatever I do. Paul! Try and squeeze out of the guy's legs. You are trapped tight, and it feels like your ribs are going to explode. Elvis! Use one of my hands to cover the guy's nose and mouth. <laughs> All right, go in for the cheap suffocation trick. He grabs your arm and gives it a savage yank, tearing you off balance and causing you to go belly up towards the ceiling. He then wraps his arms around your neck and puts you in a rear naked choke. <laughs> That's how you do it. Oh my god. Paul, Lowry, you guys are useless. He's so strong, Lowry! Lowry, what now? Run. Through the window. Just run right through it. Okay, sensing that this is not going well, you take the hard drive and just run full tilt through the window. It gives way to your vampire superiority and on you continue into the parking lot. Hey! Ratman shouts. He's getting away! Meanwhile, Splitter has cornered the guy with a knife in his head. Alright, tell you what, you promise to sit here and we can just leave it in, okay? The guy nods in terrified agreement. Help us! Help us! Splitter runs up and he grabs Ratman and puts him in a chokehold. Hey, you on the floor. I've got your boss. If you want me to pump his head off like a wine cork, then keep choking my guys. The big guy looks at the two of you who are struggling. So, don't let him go? Ratman says, let him go, you idiot! And the big guy lets you go. Thanks, Splitter. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> we probably would have figured a way out. That felt pretty bad, but, but we, we usually figure it out. All right, I'm going to take your boss for a little walk. The two of you stay here, and when the cops come by to check this place out, try not to make it look suspicious. The guy that had you goes, uh, how do we do that? Ratman says, just leave. Have everyone grab their stuff and go. The details will sort themselves out. Go home. The big guys scramble to their feet and hurry out of the room. Lowry, where are you headed? Probably to the bus stop and then down to see Pecunian. The others will find me eventually. Actually, I just realized I left Frank somewhere again. That's alright. Hey, we got the hard drive back. Go team! Onward to Pecunian. Oh, wait, you forgot the wine. Ah, uh, dang it. Okay, go back.